Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Sean Garner. I'm in studio with Adam Hansen and Cody Beeson, and this is Life, Death, and the Law. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, good morning. How's it going? So, we have an exciting show today. Of course, everybody has been hearing in the news about Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. So, we're not going to talk as much about the raid on um, Trump's home in Florida. We're not going to talk as much about what everybody else is talking about in the news. What we're going to do is dive into the nuances that not everybody is talking about. And one of those nuances is Taiwan and its government and recognition as a country or territory, depending on who you ask, and uh, how the basic history of Taiwan. Now, growing up, uh, I remember looking at the label of all my toys, and they would say, Made in Taiwan. And so I just thought everything's made in Taiwan. I didn't really know where Taiwan was or you know anything about the political background, but I just knew that everything was made there. Uh, nowadays, when you look at most products, they're made in China. And uh, so there's an interesting history there. Is Taiwan part of China? Is it a separate country? Who governs it? What type of government is it? Why are we supposedly allies with Taiwan? but not with China, which is now becoming a nemesis. And so we're going to dive a little bit into that. So let's start out with a bit of a history. Now, so I want to make sure here and get your feedback, Adam and Cody. If somebody were to ask you, uh, is Taiwan a country? And what's the difference between Taiwan and China? Off the top of your head, what's your response? It's like a quasi arrangement they have going on. You know, okay. kind of like when Hong Kong was a part of China and England for for a hundred years, right? Right. Like it's a, it's a weird agreement. It's it's not China, but it's different. It's kind of like China. Okay. So that's just as confusing as ever. Okay, right. Adam. Yeah, I would I would argue that it's more like a, a U.S. territory in regard to, to China. So we've got Guam, we've got the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, I would I would argue Taiwan is something like that. Like Cody says, it's like a pseudo country obviously they try to they try to be their own thing but uh, china's not for that yeah and nancy pelosi visited taiwan on august 2nd and so this really sparked this this concept and and china's always been on the top of our radar as far as uh, pushing their agenda and taiwan is a big portion of that agenda it wants to bring chi- taiwan not only um, into its arms as as its bona fide territory and governed by the, the People's Republic of China, which is a governing body in, in Beijing, but uh, much more than that. And so I want to understand why was Nancy Pelosi's visit so controversial? Why did that upset China so much? Because we know now that China is exercising military drills with live ammunition all around China and actually demonstrating or practicing for uh, an invasion in Taiwan. And uh, that is something that is both scary and a little bit intriguing as to why. Why is this all occurring and why did they use Nancy Pelosi's visit as um, the the flashpoint to begin all of this? I want to know what I should be buying. If Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan, what stocks should I be investing in? Exactly. Lithium. Okay. (laughs) It's pretty easy. Yeah. So we'll get into that too, and that's an interesting topic. But let me give you a brief background on Taiwan. So 
this is me searching a little bit on the internet. Of course, it's if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. And uh, so Taiwan um, obviously is an island. An island. It's about a hundred miles away from mainland China. It's uh, separated by China by what's called the Taiwan Strait, and uh, it's twenty-two thousand square miles. So that's how large it is as far as an island goes. And it's actually part of a chain of islands, but the main portion of it is twenty-two thousand square miles. Um, it was part of China originally, going back as far as we can in history to a thousand BC and the Zhao uh, dynasty. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. And uh, then it became a Dutch colony during the big European colonization around the world, and uh, that was between 1620s and 1660s. And then um, it also then. China reclaimed it back in the 1680s, and when China went to war, or Japan went to war with China during the Sino-Japanese War,、um, China lost. And as part of that, Japan took possession of Taiwan, and so it became part of Japan, or at least was under the governing power of the Japanese government until the World War, the, the Second World War. And after World War II,、uh, Japan had an unconditional surrender, and、uh, some of its territories got to be divided up. And Britain and the U.S. decided that they were going to give Taiwan back to China. So it became the、um, Republic of China. It became part of the Chinese、uh, one government under the Republic of China, single country. And it was run by、uh, Chiang Kai-shek, and Chiang Kai-shek he was、uh, a dictator. He ruled viciously with an iron fist, and so it was a military dictatorship. And he was so harsh on the people that there was a big rebellion. Of course, at the same time, there's Russia, and it's having this big communist revolution. And so China follows suit, and the people. Get indoctrinated with this、um, Marxism ideology, and they follow Mao Zedong, and they form the People's Republic of China. And so, in、uh, 1949, they have this civil war, and Mao Zedong wins the civil war, and there's a separation because Chiang, his military dictatorship, is now. Uh, exiled, and they go to none other than Taiwan. And so he takes what's remaining of the government, and he moves it all to Taiwan. He takes as much as he can, as much as the air force, as much as the boats, as much as the library, artifacts, seven hundred and seventy-four boxes of gold. I don't know how much a box of gold is, but、uh, a lot. <laughs> and、uh, so he takes as much as he can, and、uh, so he then begins to continue or continues to run the. The Republic of China from Taiwan, and that is where we begin the two、um, different Chinas. We got two different governments, but it's still called China. Now, the, the world, the community, the international community didn't recognize Beijing's China. They didn't recognize、uh, Mao Zedong for a long time. In fact, they recognized in the fifties. They recognized Chiang as The legitimate ruler of China and Taiwan as the legitimate seat of government for China, and、uh, then things began to change as the Cold War escalated. China became more strategically important to America 
and to the rest of the world. And so we needed to form an alliance with China. And so Mao Zedong in 1971 was recognized as the true legitimate leader of China and Beijing and its government of the People's Republic of China, which is a communist government, um, became the legitimate government recognized by the United Nations. So we kind of changed the temperature and we started recognizing China over Taiwan. I mean, remember back when Nixon went over and, and I mean, we things are different now because of that. Right. So that that's that, very interesting. That, I didn't realize all that. That changed all of that. And that was because of the Cold War. Yeah. And so Taiwan, it was becoming a huge industrial power and manufacturer. But uh, as far as nukes, we needed China. And we needed to stabilize the world as far as that goes. We did not want China aligning with Russia or the Soviet Union as it was back then. And so we needed to make an alliance with the mainland China. And that's why Beijing got brought within um, the friendly circle of the United Nations and the countries at power at that time. And so um, we've got... 1971, United Nations recognizes Beijing and Mao Zedong as the leader. Um, Mao Zedong dies in 1976. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek, he was the rebellious, well, he, he was the original dictator, military dictator of, of China and uh, living in Taiwan. He dies just a year earlier in 1975. So the major leaders of the two different uh, governing parties in uh, China both die within a year of each other, 1975, 1976. And so um, Xiaoping became the leader of China in 1976. And he started to reconcile the differences between China and Taiwan. He wanted to bring Taiwan back into um, overall legitimate relationships with China and so he tried to reach out the olive branch and, and bring them back in. And they met, and there was an oral agreement, which I find is very funny, for <laughs> countries uh, to determine how they're going to be governed and how their relationship is going to exist. But it was an oral agreement um, in 1992 between the two separate territories that they would be one China. They would be recognized as one country, under two separate governing bodies. Now, the Republic of China in Taiwan is a democracy, is a legitimate democracy with votes and representatives elected and governing that, that region or that territory. China is communist. And so very different governing powers there. And I'm not sure how they thought they were going to reconcile that peacefully. Um, hasn't been done in history ever, but uh, they thought they could with an oral agreement. And um, surprisingly enough, it hasn't worked out all that well. Um, but that, when, when you hear the president say, we, America's policy is to maintain the status quo of China's relationship with Taiwan, that is what he's talking about. That oral agreement that they're going to work out their differences as time goes by and f make this friendly agreement to uh, make a mutual government that works together for a one China. Now, that hasn't worked, obviously, and it's been 30 years. So what's going to happen? Well, China says, we 
own Taiwan, right? It's part of our country. It's not a separate independent territory. We allow it to run a democracy separately, but it's our it's part of our country. And so we can do whatever we want with Taiwan. So we're not really concerned about what the rest of the world thinks about our military drills as they're occurring now all around Taiwan because this is an eternal affair. Basically, it's like the I uh, sending federal troops down to Texas. Uh, you know, we don't care what the world says about that. You know, it, within the United States, we're going to do what we want to do. It's their own business. Yeah, it's our business. So that's China's position. Obviously, everybody knows that it's it's complicated. That's Taiwan has been recognized and is still recognized by, I believe, 13 countries, as uh, including the Vatican, as a, an independent country with an independent flag. It's got its own national anthem. It's got its own governing body. It's got every factor that you would measure to determine what a country is, it has and has had for since World War II. Okay. So the fact that China now is saying, nope, that's not it anymore. And we want to establish to the world that the status quo of what you think it was is changing. And that's because it has been wrong for a long, long time. And I would say, I mean, they've got a pretty legitimate argument if you look at how the UN reacted to them in uh, the 1970s. So um, is it right what they're doing? Do we like it? I don't know. It, it, it's, it's complicated is the question. I don't like it personally, and I'll tell you why I don't like it, because I don't like communist governments. Um, we've got to take a break right now. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I am Sean Garner. I am an attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. We do estate planning, but we talk about things like politics. Do we have any qualifications to do this? No. But do we do it anyways? Yes. And that's because uh, we can. Um, I would argue your law degrees give you, you know, insight 
and a unique perspective, you know? You know, given the amount of people with law degrees that have really ridiculous ideas out there, I don't know <laughs> if I agree with that. Uh, hanging up that uh, paper on the wall uh, doesn't give me any credentials, but the fact that I uh, think and try to use common sense would give me a little bit more credential than anything else. And that's that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to analyze from a bigger picture what's going on in the world today because um, we've got some news stations saying that we're on the brink of World War III. Other world stations saying, nah, we're maintaining the status quo and Joe Biden's doing a fantastic job and uh, got everything under, under control. So what is the truth? Well, um, time will tell, but hopefully we can avoid World War III, but we really need to understand the more we're educated about what's going on in the world, the more we can act appropriately. Um, so what is going on with Taiwan? And we, as we talked about in the last, uh, before the break, uh, Taiwan is being encircled by Chinese military ships and aircraft, and there's military drills with live fire going on, and they are actually practicing um, mock invasions of Taiwan. And they're not keeping it a secret at all. In fact, they want it to be broadcast to the world that, yes, we can do this, and we've got all the authority in the world to do it because Taiwan is part of China, and it should be um, governed exactly how we see it. And so if we need to use force to govern our own territory, we can do so. And who's to argue against us? And when the United Nations recognized uh, Beijing and Mao Zedong as they the actual de facto ruler of China and governing party, then um, I think they gave a lot of legitimacy to that argument. And now we don't like that argument and uh, because we like democracies and China is really rattling its saber at us, saying, you do what we want you to do, you trade with us how we want you to trade, um, and we are going to align with whatever countries we want to align with, and Iran and uh, Russia are right in there in the mix, and all those countries have demonstrated hostilities towards the United States, obviously. So we're a bit concerned now. And all, obviously, we want people to maintain freedom that currently have freedom. Taiwanese people, they currently have a high degree of freedom. They vote for their representatives. They have a, democ a representative democracy. And if you were to ask the Taiwanese people, they majority of them, 63% of them, classify themselves exclusively as Taiwanese and not Japanese, or not Chinese, I'm sorry. Um, only 3% identify as Chinese. So they recognize themselves as completely separate. They want to be recognized as an independent country. So it's really important when um, a U.S. official talks about Taiwan in Taiwan with China 100 miles away across a Taiwan Strait and accidentally has what, sh what the, the media calls a gaffe and refers to Taiwan as a country and not as a territory because the United Nations and the United States policy is that it is a territory of China. And so it's not just a gaffe. Words are important. Of course, we've been We've been taught that, and that's been driven through our brains by this woke movement, words matter. Well, when you use words like country and territory, those words certainly matter. And so when Nancy Pelosi was over in Taiwan, she called Taiwan a country. 
And she said that she, that the United States stands behind Taiwan and its um, democratic governing powers and wants it to maintain this democratic freedom. So um, there is, a, of course, an uproar from China. I, a lot of people say, well, China is overreacting about this. Well, when you've got a world superpower and the th- person that's third in chain of command, well, as far as the presidency, you know, you got uh, obviously Biden and then you got Kamala Harris and then the third person in line for the presidency would be Nancy Pelosi and she's arguably um, the most powerful person in Congress, then that's a big deal when you call some a territory of yours an independent country. Well, especially when number one's already asleep. Right. You know, so she's absolutely... And number two's been in La La Land from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that is a big deal. So the question is, why would Nancy Pelosi do this? And I think, Adam, you've, you've delved into this a little bit. We hear a lot of commentators from the news saying, okay, she can do whatever she wants. She's not only uh, an American citizen that can travel where she wants, but she's a member of Congress, and we're not going to let China dictate to her... Um, where her what her traveling schedule can be. Okay, I agree. But I also agree that it's a bad idea if you're at a highly contested football game to go to the other team's crowd and start sticking your tongue out at them and cheering for your team. Um, it, that's not a great idea. I've done that. <laughs> and how'd it turn out for not you? Not so good. Yeah. So that's essentially what Nancy Pelosi did. So her timing was not only awkward, it was it, it was a flashpoint. It's provocative. Very provocative, right? She can't say it's not provocative because this is what she does and she can do it anytime she wants. No, this isn't what people do. In fact, it hasn't been done for 25 years when Newt Gingrich did it. Um, and he, he did it back in 1998. And... At that time, the relationship was much different. Now, the, the tensions are high. They're looking for anything as a, an excuse to begin aggressions against Taiwan and begin the invasion of Taiwan. We saw this. I mean, how short is our memory? We just saw this a year ago. It's not even been a year ago. It was in January of this year when Russia was aligning its troops up along the Ukrainian border and were saying, don't do anything to trigger hostilities or an invasion into Ukraine because we don't want to give them any excuse. So have we done military drills before in Ukraine? Yes. Are we going to do it now with Russia aligning all of its forces on the border? No, we're not going to do those, right? That's not a good idea. So we need to calm things down a bit and not give them any excuse. And so when they do invade, we can say and align with the rest of the world saying they're doing this unilaterally. They didn't have any provocation. Nancy Pelosi gave them that provocation. And you already, you, you laid the groundwork saying that this is actually a high tension type scenario. So why now? And then that's the biggest question. When I heard the news releases that Nancy Pelosi is going on this big Asian tour and the big deal about it was Taiwan. I'm thinking to myself, who, what, what does, first of all, Nancy Pelosi care about Taiwan and Asia? She's the Speaker of the House. What does she care? Shouldn't she spend most of her time here domestically and try and fix what's going wrong here in the United States? Why would you have time to go abroad and try and fix world problems that really don't exist unless you go there and you give them a reason to exist? It's creating a problem 
or, or looking for a solution to a problem that doesn't exist until you go over there. So, you, Sean, you, you did a great job uh, laying the groundwork of the high-tension environment that already existed, and Nancy Pelosi just exacerbated that by going to Taiwan. And and so, no, and she knows. I mean, she what the media said was that, oh, this isn't new for her in the sense that she's always been fighting for Taiwan and Taiwanese rights and things like that. I'm like, I've never heard of this before. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard of it. And nobody's been there for 25 years, so why now? Why now? Like, what is the big impetus or the uh, cause of her, to me, what seems like an all of a sudden travel itinerary to, the, to Asia? And um, knowing, so if she does have all these connections in Taiwan, or other than, let's say it this way, she has been a supporter of, of the Taiwanese people and, and let's say it's independence from China um, so much in the past. And that's what the media really drove up. It's like, oh, well, this isn't new for her. She's always been for Taiwan and uh, Nancy and Taiwan are, you know, BFFs and stuff. And as I thought, well, who cares? Number one, <laughs> like, what do we care about Taiwan? Um, but when you dig into it a little deeper, and as Sean has already said and laid the groundwork that it's a high tension um, environment and the relationship between the United States, the, the European Union and Taiwan and China are all at stake here. And so when we send a representative from the United States over and give credence to an independent Taiwan, China's not going to be happy with that. Not that we care. I mean, so much. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's it's more so you're using tax my tax money to pay for the plane ride, the press uh, entourage. Actually, she didn't take press is what I understand. She didn't allow pr press on the actual plane or with them. And um, it, But she is using our tax money to pay for this huge trip in Asia. And for what purpose? That's what my, my biggest question deep down is, why did I just pay for Nancy Pelosi to go to Asia? And she knowing, supposedly, because her relationship is such that she knows Taiwan so well because of her past experiences with Taiwan. And that was a big thing that they drove, drove uh, home in the media releases. If she knows Taiwan so well, then she would have known that the tensions between China and Taiwan are, are such that if she visits, it's going to be very high stress and probably a triggering of what we're seeing now, military action by China to assert their authority over Taiwan or let, at least let the world know and specifically Taiwan know that they can't go off on their own and do their own thing. China owns them. That's what China is trying to say by putting this military action around the island. And uh, so what we've already established the stakes are high. Nancy Pelosi knows that yet she chooses to use our tax money to go there now in 2022 for what purpose? That is the big question that I have. Why? Why now? Because, like I said, in the very beginning, when I heard she's going over on this big tour of Asia and Taiwan's a, the pinnacle of all this, uh, my first thought was, why, why, why does she care? Like, why are you going to Taiwan? Why are you going to Asia? What does it matter? Um, and, and so as you dig a little deeper, coming off the heels of some allegations for her husband moving stocks and, and buying uh, certain stocks, you know, we heard this, I think, maybe four, four or five weeks ago it came out that he started buying stocks and companies that were about to, uh, I wouldn't say get a kickback, but they were, they were going to be involved in the, in the future legislation that was being passed by the house and the Senate. Well, they're getting government funding. It, it, they're calling it the, the welfare for the, these big corporate companies. And, uh, so yeah, it's uh, 50, 50 or $60 billion 
I think it's $50 billion, that uh, just got passed to provide these um, microchip companies, these semiconductor companies, with government money to increase their production. And before that happened, uh, Paul Pelosi, who is a fantastic, uh, miraculous uh, stock trader who's worth over $100 million in his own right, um, purchased $5 million worth of uh, microchip stock. What is that stock? Um, I forget the name of it, but I'll come up with it. And so he purchased this microchip, this, this stock, and, of course, a reporter asked Nancy Pelosi at, at the next press conference, um, what's going on? Does he know something that we don't know? And she says, absolutely not, and, and it's a free market. We can buy stock whenever we want. Very defensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because if it, I say it's interesting because you and I, as normal individuals, um, we we can't, if I have a, a friend or a buddy or a family member in a a company that's traded on the stock market, and he calls me and says, Adam, we're going to make a big deal. Nobody knows about this. This is a secret. We're going to, we are going to merge with IBM. We're going to merge with Microsoft. It's a huge deal coming up in the next few weeks. I, I, you should probably buy in right now, you know, get it low. And, and when this big deal comes out, your stock is just going to skyrocket. That's insider trading and that's illegal. You can't do that. Right. Right. Yeah, and, this, and so I, I came up with it. It's Nvidia. That's what he bought. The the graphics company. Yeah, graphics, Nvidia. Graphics card, yeah. And Nvidia is, is is big with cryptocurrency because they need that type of microchip to mine cryptocurrency. And so cryptocurrency we've seen go along this roller coaster. And so there there's actually a following of Paul um, Pelosi's stock trading practices. And there is there there are people you can actually tell your stock advisor or your investment advisor simply to follow Paul Pelosi. Whatever he buys, you buy. <laughs> That's wonderful advice. That's a great, great thing. And, and, and just uh, to piggyback off of what you were talking about, how you can't use insider information and nor can I. So um, we partner with financial service companies. We, we are licensed with Ameriprise and we work with Ameriprise advisors to help our clients understand, number one, how they can legitimately and most efficiently move their assets into a trust without um, any undue taxes and and keep their investments the way they want them. And number two, if they need additional investment advice as life goes on um, or transferring their assets to their children upon their death, we can help them with that. Now, with that license comes a lot of responsibility. I have to report um, to the SEC and to FINRA every year Every job that I hold, every commission that I receive on any type of uh, business dealings that I do, every LLC that I have, every business partner that I have, and any change of address, I've got to report all of that. I can't, if I see a good um, deal on even a house, I can't go to somebody and tell them, hey, you should buy this house. It's actually below fair market value right now, and it might be a good flip for you. I can't do that. That's investment advice. And as an advisor with a license, I, I'm held to this higher level of scrutiny. Okay, Nancy Pelosi, with a hundred, a, a million times more information than I have about what's going on in companies, can give that information and does give that information to her husband, 
Um, and there are investigations into his trading right now as to whether or not the amount of information she gave him was uh, to, the, to the extent that it, that it uh, was classified as insider trading. But I think we all know. I mean, just look at the outcome and we can, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. We got to take a break. This is 560 AM KBLU Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Law. This is 560 AM KBLU. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. I'm in the studio today with the one and only Mr. Sean Garner, the other attorney in our office. And then we've got Cody Beeson pushing buttons and turning dials and, and trying his best to make us sound good. It's a big job for him. And, uh, oh, we got buttons. No, we had a crowd. They came in and just applauded us. Oh, yes. I, I figured, well, you know, you're calling for it. Might as well. So we <laughs> prior to the break, we were talking about uh, this big trip that Nancy Pelosi made to the Asian area, uh, specifically Taiwan. Sean did a great job of outlining the history of Taiwan. And as he's droning on about the history and the background, I'm like, I, I don't care about Taiwan. What do I care? I'm in the United States. But it does become relevant because China um, feels like they own Taiwan and um, they are a threat to the United States. Uh, if you think that they're not, then um, you're probably reading uh, media sources and listening to media um, that's mainstream. But China is a threat to the United States. And so when um, we have a strong China, we have a threat to the United States. And we want to make sure that that threat is abated and not uh, provoked. And so when we see Nancy Pelosi go to Taiwan, we've already laid the groundwork of, of her knowledge of tension between Taiwan and China. She made a gaffe, is what they're calling it, um, by calling Taiwan a country when she was visiting Taiwan, and China, in response, was not happy about that. I'll just warn you, if you go out and try to search for that uh, media clip, it's going to be buried. You'll have to search long and deep to find her actually calling Taiwan a country. But when it originally came out, it was she did call it a country. And if you look at uh, her website and the transcript, it's been heavily edited. No kidding. We talked about what, why, why, I mean, why now? Why is she going to Taiwan? And knowing that the tension is so high, um, and I brought up prior to the break this the recent news cycle articles that came out about uh, uh, Paul Pelosi, her husband, and Sean, Sean talked about how if you were to make the same stock trading um, trades as, as Paul Pelosi did, then you will be beat the market almost every time because of what I would argue is insider knowledge. The big thing that came out recently was his investing in NVIDIA, which is a semiconductor and graphics card company. I love NVIDIA. I, I, I'm very aware of them because of um, computers that I, I like. Uh, they're big in the gaming space when it comes to computers. But specifically, when you do, a, for example, VR, I have a VR headset, an Oculus uh, headset, and if I want to hook that up to my computer and run specific games or scenarios, uh, VR, virtual reality scenarios, it takes a lot of computing power, which takes a big graphics uh, 
processor. And NVIDIA is at the forefront and has been at the forefront of designing graphics processors and video cards for a very long time. And they're, I would argue, the best at it. And they have actually the fastest cards on the market. And they're extremely expensive. So if I wanted to get one um, to run my, my headset, let's say I want to do a flight simulator, and instead of buying all of the a lot of the the let's say uh, winter visitor crowd here in Yuma, they have clubs where you can do um, you can you can be in the club and you can you can do uh, flight simulations. So you buy your cockpit chair, you buy these screens, two or three screens that are going to wrap around you, and then you buy your joystick, you buy your throttle, and everything is run on as big computer and it, and it looks like you're flying in real life but really you're sitting in your chair it's it's a simulation well instead of getting into all that stuff now you can just buy a vr headset and it's like you're in the plane even to a different degree but in order to run that type of stuff you've got to have a very very powerful graphics card or a video card and nvidia is top of the list at this and so over the pandemic what's happened because of the shortages of of semiconductors and and processors and things like that these things have these cards have actually skyrocketed in value, not value I should say, but price and very hard to get. I was looking at it because of my my VR headset. I wanted to get one to do flight simulation, and you're looking at like twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars just for the graphics card. That's not for a computer. That's just for an, the graphics card or video card to put into your computer, in addition to the other stuff that you have in your computer. And so it's a very very expensive proposition right now because of the the semiconductors and the processors and the manufacturing and the the uh, actual getting them to market. So having said all that, NVIDIA is one of these companies that is big into that. But for some reason, Paul Pelosi put $5 million into this company. And lo and behold, uh, weeks later, we find out that that was because it was going to get a ton of government money that was passed through the House and the Senate. And, um, and so does that classify as insider trading? I would argue yes. You've got the Speaker of the House's husband that tends to be on the winning side of all of these deals and always picking the winning horse. But yet, if you and I were to get insider knowledge from a company person that says, Adam, Sean, Cody, if you if you guys, you, you need to buy some of this stock because we're going to do this big merger next week or we're going we're gonna to do this big thing or release this big product. So you need to get in now. That's That's against the law federally and you could go to prison for that because that's called that's considered insider trading but yeah when nancy pelosi's husband does it no consequence nobody really knows about it they bury the story i tell you this because what we find out if you dig a little deeper on the taiwan visit um she had a guest with her it wasn't paul pelosi her husband it was paul pelosi jr her son and paul pelosi is heavily into lithium he sits on a board i i googled i I googled Pelosi lithium um, company. That those are the three keywords I googled. The first thing on the list was from a company called St. George. It's a lithium mining company. So how does that tie into the Taiwan visit from Pelosi? Taiwan is trying to position itself as the number one producer and user of lithium in the world. They're heavily into lithium-ion batteries, and semiconductors. And so lithium is the main ingredients of all these things. And 
what we what we didn't get from the American press was that Paul Pelosi Jr. was actually with Nancy. He was on the plane over there. He was, I, I just Googled, sorry, I shouldn't say Googled because Sean, I told him about this yesterday and Sean leading up to this, you you went on and you started Googling and you said you couldn't find a lot of stuff. So my first my first thing was, well, that's because it's probably being buried in the American media and, and so we got to dig a little deeper. How do you dig deeper? Well, with the internet nowadays, I can go straight to Taiwan's news sources. So I just went to Taiwan, one of the newspapers in Taiwan and I, I searched for the word Pelosi in their website, and obviously all these articles came up in the Taiwan news press releases, and I, I clicked on one of those articles. There's a couple pictures there, and you see an entourage here of Nancy Pelosi in this picture. Uh, I haven't shown you this, Sean, and if you look right here over her shoulder, let me click on this here. Over her shoulder is this white guy right here amidst all these Taiwan Taiwanese people. He looks a lot like Nancy. <laughs> well, that's her son. Uh, what's interesting was he wasn't listed on the manifest. You know, he wasn't on the trip. He's nowhere to be seen on this trip. But yet, as you start looking in photos, he's actually there right around her all the time. And in one of the actual banquets that they went to, the Taiwanese dignitaries are, are listening. They're saying things like, thank you, Nancy Pelosi. We want to recognize Nancy Pelosi from the United States and blah, blah, blah. And in that, they keep going. They say, they say and Mr. Pelosi. Well, Paul Pelosi Sr., dad, was in the United States. Otherwise engaged um, in the court hearing for his DUI. Yeah. <laughs> so who is this other Mr. Pelosi? Well, it was her son. If you go to her website, the Speaker of the House's website, and you look at the transcript, his name has been taken off of that. So it's not, that Mr. and also Mr. Pelosi is not in the transcript for, wow. on her website. So why are they hiding that? It really feels like the Biden, the Biden peddling influence thing to me, and it made it come into um, more focus for me. Why is she doing it now? Even though, and I, I say that because, like you said, Sean, tensions are extremely high, and she know she knows that supposedly she's this expert on Taiwan, or she's been involved in Taiwan for all these years. So if that's true, then she knows how delicate the the environment is, yet she chooses to do it. So why? Why now? And why take your son along with you and scrub him from all the American photos, from all the American press releases? But yet, if you were to go to the foreign Asian pictures and releases, you can see him there, and he's actively there. Well, it's because, I argue, because of his ties with the lithium industry. He sits on multiple boards, all invested in lithium. And uh, Taiwan being the primary capital of lithium production and use and manufacturing, no wonder, no wonder she's going right now because it makes her rich. It's going to enrich her, it's going to enrich her family, and she could care less about the American people and the fragile hostilities of, of China and Taiwan. To her, this is an opportunity, and she took the opportunity to use our tax money to go in and visit Taiwan to bolster the relations be between herself using her relationship and her sons sitting on boards of lithium co lithium companies to enrich themselves and their family. That's what I'm arguing. Well, coincidentally, uh, a bill just passed the Senate, and it's called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And this bill includes $369 billion to invest in climate change. Well, 
what is that? That's investing in electric cars. What are electric cars you powered by? Powered by lithium-ion batteries. Tesla is one of her her stock picks. Tesla is one of them amongst with you know Microsoft and Apple and all those those tech picks. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teasing. Well, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to you know connect the dots. Yeah, that, and, that's and, what I'm saying. That's here. the problem. It's, it's not when that you difficult. connect the dots and the dots lead to. Uh, high-level political corruption, now it becomes a conspiracy theory. Well, it's like, well, is that connecting the dots or is that conspiracy? Because I'm just looking at, usually, the, this, as the saying goes, follow the money. Absolutely. And that's it. Is it really a conspiracy when somebody wants power and money? And I mean, it's greedy. Like, that's right. just human nature. Right. It, as attorneys, we look for evidence. So I have people all the time come to me and say, well, Adam, this happened, this happened. Well, how do you know that happened? Well, so-and-so told me this, and so-and-so told me that. And I'm like, did you actually see it happen? Did you experience this, that, or the other? No. But I heard from this person, that's no good. That's no good to me as a lawyer. You have to have direct evidence. There has to be evidence in order to convict or to find a finding that's going to be in your favor. Telling me hearsay from what somebody else told you is not going to work in a court of law. So as, as lawyers, as we're going through things like this, and I'm seeing pictures of Nan- Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Jr., in background pictures and doing basic searches on the internet in Taiwanese news and Asian news sources, seeing him there, but not seeing him in the U.S. ones. He's, he's not even known in the U.S. Right. How many commentators, including uh, conservative commentators, you know, Fox News, or you go to Daily Wire with like uh, Ben Shapiro and uh, Michael Knowles, and they're all asking, why did you go at this time? You know, BBC will ask the same questions. Everybody's asking these questions, and nothing, there, there is no answer other than, well, she can do what she wants to do. She, she regularly goes and, and goes and visit these countries. No, she doesn't. No. She <laughs> hasn't been there in, in years and years. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, that it's just the question came up empty until yesterday when uh, if you want to really see a good narrative on this um google jesse waters on um paul pelosi jr and you, you can google go to youtube and you can find a good story on that and he'll explain the timeline and all the interactions that paul pelosi jr had with these diplomats of not only Taiwan, but of Japan. Every country she visited. South Korea. All these countries that are heavily involved in semiconductors and lithium batteries. batteries. And voila, there you have it. And that that brings it into perspective as to why now, knowing the stakes are so high, why now, that's the why. And I argue it's because it's the self-enrichment. You know, and we're seeing this over and over again with not only not only her husband, now her son, and nobody's reporting on this. We've got to go to break. This is Life, Death, and Law, five sixty AM KBLU. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Decent Garner and Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. 